Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 20, How to Develop an Effective Culture. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. I'm your host, Jesse Leahy, sharing principles learned from many years in communication consulting and leadership. And I'm your co-host, Marty Leahy, sharing from my years in financial and business leadership. And although we lead separate companies in different industries, Dad and I love to talk business. That's right, Jess. And today, our focus is practical steps for developing culture. Right, Dad. We had a questioner from a listener who is one of the two owners of an investment services firm. And he was wondering about developing culture. What happened is that when they first started the, the company several years ago, there was just the, the two guys. And they are near opposites. You know, one, Darren is, is a creative visionary. Steve is kind of the practical get-it-done guy. And they, the, com- the two of them have, are a great formula. They, they really work well together. Clients love them. And, and because even though they're opposites, they have essentially have the same values. Now, over time, they they added three employees to their firm, and those new people just naturally picked up Darren and Steve's values and work styles, and it basically kind of through simple osmosis. But then the day came when their business was growing faster, and now they're to the point they're they are to the point where they have three employees. And it's not so clear that everyone on the team has drunk the same Kool-Aid, so to speak. And Steve, who was asking the question, has listened to different um, thought leaders on leadership like Jim Collins and Patrick Lancioni. But he said, you know, it just, it kind of sounds like theory when I come back and try to, we try to figure out how to apply that to our team. So he was asking, what practical things can we do today to develop our culture? And I think it's a, there's a, a few simple things that are fairly easy to put into action can be done immediately. And, and this would work whether you own a small business like Stephen Darren, or if you are the leader of, of a department in a, in a large organization, like a, like a big corporation, maybe you've actually been told what the values are, or maybe not. But you still have to create a culture on your team, the people that you directly impact. You need to translate the organization's values into the culture for your team, or, or, or maybe they haven't given you that kind of guidance, and you, it's still up to, up to you. And I think it applies also whether you're leading a team of volunteers or just in your family. I mean, it's, it's a question of culture. You're talking about how do we work together? How do we treat people? What's important to us? And if you're a parent and you, you've got kids, especially as they begin their teenage years, uh, that, that's something you can either manage intentionally and teach them in a way that, so you have a, a healthy culture, or you can just sort of wait for those aspects of living and working together to emerge haphazardly, and that may or may not be a, a healthy, happy environment. I actually gave Steve what I thought were the three most important, most easy, practical things to implement. But Dad, as you and I were preparing for the show, we actually realized there's a fourth one that we really have to bring up. It may not be as easy, but it's it's just as critical that we can't 
forget. So the first one that you have here, it's called uh, clarifying top values. Yes. When I t- mentioned this to Steve, it, it, he immediately grasped that, yes, we actually need to figure out what values that we want our actions and behaviors be based on. We talked about how for maximum impact, you'd really need to boil it down to three, if at all possible. And maybe you actually have more than, than three points. You might have five to seven values, but there really should be three that you highlight most that it, because you'd have a hard time really expecting your team to, to remember at any point in time more than three. People just have a hard time keeping in their head more than three. So with that reality, what are the three that you really want to emphasize? And Steve was very quick to mention, well, service is one of their top three values, but you got to ask the question, what does service mean in their context? That can mean different things to different people. And so in addition to just actually narrowing down your list, prioritizing your top three values, be sure to craft a definition for each of those and maybe craft some words explaining why those are important. Now, Dave, when I asked you that question, one of your top values was family. And uh, it seems like for your restaurant business, that that really requires some definition, right? It's it's uh it's something that you know, frankly, evolved over the first several years of our business, and and until finally, I think almost people had to point out to us that it seems like you guys really run your business uh, like one big family, and it's true, and it's it that's that can be a really good thing because customers notice that, and it, it contributes. You know, we're a restaurant business, so it contributes to. The overall feel of things when they can walk in the door and and feel like they're kind of walking into you know someone's uh, dining room you know where you know the staff's friendly with each other they obviously like each other you know there's pictures of our families on the piano in in the room and they don't hear uh, they don't hear people yelling at each other uh, although some families yell at each other <laughs> still you know and it's it's that kind of respect it's not like a like a textbook of respect it's a respect that's that's coming out of you know out of the heart and um and, and even though it's a business i mean that has a very very positive impact business wise uh for for our restaurant so so the question is if you were to ask our employees you know what what do you, right now what do you think the top 3 values of the organization are they they probably would right up in there say something like customer service because we 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 focus on that so often but I think the next thing out of their mouth might be that, you know, we really, it's kind of a family environment here. I really love how you talked about how this actually evolved over a period of time, because I definitely recommend to people, you may as a leader be tempted to just sit down and write up what your three to five values are, and then go lecture your team on those and make posters. And you see that at a lot of companies, right? They put the posters up there. And you even see companies that, you know, family is, is one of the top things. Like we're, you know, we're a big family around here. They might actually say that, but there's really no, it's not reality. You know, it's just top-down driven. This is what they would like it to be, but employees tend to look at it cynically because it doesn't really feel that way. And instead, you sort of let some of those values bubble up as you reflected on how do we work together? What is important to us? How do we treat people? What... Why do our employees like to work here? Why do our customers love to come here? And it wasn't just you thinking about that. You heard that from other people. And so, number one, when you can involve your team in helping answer some of those questions and you take, just take time to let that come out over time, 
I think they're going to feel more accountable because they had some input into it, but also it's probably going to reflect more reality. When you so, so when you say, well, remember, one of our big values is that we're a big family here. We treat each other like family. They're going to get that. I mean, you're going to see heads nodding. Okay, yeah, we, that's, that is one of the things we, we agreed on. Well, the important thing here to, to just to reiterate is that this, what we're talking about here is clarifying top values, which is, is a step beyond identifying those or, or establishing those, let's say, but making sure that people are always reminded of them and, and they're always um, applying and reapplying these values to their everyday work. And so you know, that kind of takes us into the, the next point that you make here on, on practical steps, and that is a suggestion on how to best clarify, perhaps, and that is, you know, telling stories that, that illustrate these values. Nothing sticks like a story. When you have a leader stand up in front of a group, you tend to be expecting them to launch into a boring monologue or preamble. If, if you just jump right in and say, let me tell you a story, you immediately capture everybody's attention. And if you can tell a story that actually has some interesting details and it leads to a point, and, and maybe has a surprise in it, then people are going to remember that story. And so if you can pick one of those values that you want to emphasize and tell a story that illustrates that value, number one, more likely people are going to pay attention as you're explaining what this value is. Number two, that they're going to remember it. And number three, that you're going to make it very concrete. Because a lot of times values are ab- abstract. What is family? What does that mean to treat people like a family? Well, here's a story that illustrates that. This can be a story from your own business. You know, you could tell a story of some customer interaction that you observed and how an employee handled that. It could be something that you maybe just read that you found inspiring. And let's say you're trying to teach your your people what customer service as a value means. And you can say, you know, I just recently read that that Nordstrom stores, one of their values is that the customer is always right. And they have this legend in the company about how there was a customer who came to the store with a set of car tires and they were really angry about the experience that that the customer had had with these tires and was demanding her money back. The Nordstrom employee, even though Nordstrom doesn't even sell car tires, recognized that the customer is always right and went ahead and took the, the car tires and gave the customer money for the car tires. So you tell that kind of story and people are going to remember. It makes it very concrete. This is a, a real story about putting it into action. That, that is a great story, although I got to be honest with you, if one of my employees said that they gave someone a refund uh, in the restaurant for car tires, I, I probably would have, would have, would not be entirely pleased with that. <laughs> Wouldn't be a good legend. But, uh, you know, sometimes getting into a story can be as, as uh, comfortable as talking about a irate customer. You might say, do you remember when we had that really nasty guy that was in that party two weeks ago and everybody else was happy, and but he just seemed to come in with an attitude and he was, you know, complained about the prime rib. He didn't like the dessert. You forgot to offer him coffee one time when you walked by. <laughs> one thing after another, but, you know, we just thought, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you have a, an uncle at your Thanksgiving dinner and, you know, Joe, he's he's just one of those guys that, is going to say the wrong thing or upset somebody. And, you know, we just sort of take him in stride. You know, we don't put a lot of energy into his negative things because that's not what family does. And by the time he leaves or we see him the next time, there's no, you know, even memory of the fact that he said something nasty to, to somebody. So, you know, we with that customer, uh, 
we, we handled it. We said, you know, we're really sorry. And we sent him a note back. Really sorry you had a bad time. Hope you'll come back. And because you weren't happy with your dessert, here's a $5 gift card. We really hope you come back. And, you know, you've, you've kind of taken the negative energy away, left it positive. You know, when he comes back again, he probably just is annoying. But still, you know, it's, it's just uh, not going to have a life to it where it's going to, you know, get worse. So you're, you're telling a story that shows how you treat customers. And, and actually, it's, it's interesting. You're actually even by that story, I, I see you uh, demonstrating the family aspect too, because you actually just described that restaurant experience in terms of a, of a family gathering. So it, it's, in, in your case, you have a weekly meeting with your management team, and that is a natural time to try to plan ahead and have a story ready. But you you can also do it, obviously, informally uh, in any moment. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, he was famous for just always having this, uh, a story at the right time, usually humorous stories. And th- they tended to make a point, but he was just always ready for the right story at the right time. And it didn't, ha- didn't have to necessarily be in a, in a formal setting. Well, like you said in the beginning, there's just, there's nothing like a good story. Moving on to the third point, Jess, which is, Looking for opportunities to share feedback that reinforces values. Feedback are those moments when you have an opportunity to to tell someone what you want them to start doing, stop doing, or continue doing. Now, Dad, you've been a manager your whole most of your career, and you probably know all about the dreaded annual performance reviews. And you've given them, and you've received them, and so you know the the common thing that goes through people's minds where they hate getting negative feedback. And so one of the things that is commonly taught to managers is, well, make sure you balance your negative feedback with some positive feedback. In fact, why don't you sandwich, give a, a, a positive, then a negative, then a positive. When you talk to people who get that, you realize they pick up on that tactic, that technique pretty quickly. And they, the, they interpret the positive things that you're trying to tell them as fake, as these minor little things that you just tried to think of something positive to say so that you could really tell me what you really think, this negative thing. I think a better solution I heard from executive coach Tom Henschel, who we've featured on this podcast, he said, instead of, of that, look at every engagement that you have with your people as opportunities to provide feedback. And think of it, again, as either Positive feedback where you want them to continue doing something, constructive feedback where there's something you want them to stop doing, or creative feedback, something you want them to start doing. So continue doing this, start doing this, or stop doing that. Those are the three options. And try to give that kind of feedback through almost every interaction that you have. And so that both trains you to get in the habit of always appreciating people and being very transparent with how with your reactions but it also gets them in the habit of always expecting you to give them feedback. And so the time will come when they won't question your motives anymore and they won't think, oh, that was just fake positive feedback because what he really wants to tell me is this negative feedback. They're not waiting for the other shoe to drop. It just becomes a more natural interchange. So that's how to give sort of a quick primer on how to give feedback. But what we're saying here is, now look for opportunities to share feedback that reinforces one of your values. So when you see someone that is doing practicing good customer service, call them out on that. Give them, you know, praise them and say, "Ah, oh, you just did a great job of customer service." 
And, and that can actually then feed back to our tip number two about telling a story, because th now the next time that you're in one of your public meetings, you have a, a homegrown story that illustrates that value. Tell about how you saw this employee demonstrating this value. But also, while you're doing that, make sure you, again, define the, the value for everyone. So it's, it's always clear what you mean by customer service in that case. You're absolutely right. You know, um, a lot of us, and I, I for sure, uh, have a hard time remembering, reminding myself to give positive feedback. You know, nice job, attaboy, and I'm thinking it, but I don't always say it. And, I, and, and you notice when you do say something like that, especially if you're like, uh, normally you're reticent about it, people really react positively. You know, they think, wow, I'm, man, he's, he said nice job at mild for him that's that's like <laughs> a real pat on the back but if you make this part of your ongoing effort to af to affect the culture and and you're not just making a positive remark you're tying it in with a value i think that's really powerful an example of this one of our values we I mean, we mentioned family but the other one is showing gratitude for all the blessings that our business have you know thanking God for the fact that we have a great business and, you know, customers are coming in and things are going well. We just recently had a, a Saturday that was, you know, a lot of events going on around and a lot of other things that just caused our foot traffic to be a record high. And normally we're not staffed very strongly on a Saturday. So the staff found themselves what we call, you know, in the weeds or basically getting getting hammered. And so everyone was working at a high pace. End of the day, you know, sometimes you would you would almost expect the staff to be complaining that, oh, that was terrible. Mm -hmm. That uh, wow, I can't believe we got beat up so bad. But the reaction by the manager on duty and the rest of the staff was that was phenomenal. Uh, wow, we got hammered. Uh, but you know, the kitchen did such a great job. The food came out. Everyone just sort of pitched in, and and customers were all happy. And you know, I made good money. And man, what a great day! And and so you know, that is an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm so happy to hear you say that. That's a, that's exactly what we think is so important is to thank God for sending us all these customers. That's a lot better than sitting around looking at empty tables and not making any money. Yeah, that is a great example. So that and that value of thankfulness is. Direct, directly contradictory to to complaining, which is what you don't want among your employees. One last thing, let me mention about feedback before we move on to our fourth and last tip, is that uh, recent research from the Gallup organization has really reinforced the value of feedback. They've found that the most disengaged employees, those are the ones that are that effectively hate their jobs. It turns out that they get almost no feedback from their managers. So to put, turn that around, the, the worst managers are the ones who give zero feedback. The managers who tend to give mostly negative feedback, their employees, some, I, I'm going to get the statistic wrong because I don't have it right in front of me, but it was something like at least 75% engaged. So even giving negative feedback is better than no feedback. But the managers who gave some positive feedback too, that were consistently giving positive feedback as well as some negative feedback, their employees weren't like 99% engaged. I mean, they're, they're those are the ones who are, they just love their job and they feel like they're really making a difference. In addition to helping create your culture and reinforce values, you're actually feeding a very human need that people have to know how they're doing and to uh, grow and develop 
and get better because you can't do that with if you're not getting feedback. Wow, that's really that's really powerful. Moving on, I mean, I think this this fourth point puts a nail right in right in the hole there, and that is how important it is to match actions to words. Yes, yeah, so as I mentioned at the top of the program, when I was talking to Steve, I, I shared three tips. The first three that we talked about, and as we, you and I were planning this episode, Dad, I, I uh, said I think we should share this uh, question from the listener and the answer I gave back to him. And then you told me a story that made me realize, well, we can't leave out this this important part about matching actions to words. Because if you do everything right and crystallize your values and tell stories that illustrate them and provide feedback, but then you have management or leadership actions that don't actually match those words, then you're you're sending a, the total wrong signal. And we all know that actions speak louder than words. You're absolutely right. And... and uh we have a live situation in our organization, which is, is kind of your classic, uh, falls into the, the uh, category of um, hostility in the workplace. And uh, it was an incident that, that recently happened very quickly where, you know, one employee kind of got a little bit into the workspace of the other. And, and uh, as a result, the other employee kind of grabbed her arm, shoved her down, and and... You know, it all happened in a, in a, in a second, but hurt. Uh, so she, he was already cranky about something, and he was she cranky, was reaching yeah. for reaching for something, and he pushed her hand out of the way. It, it ended up, in her mind felt as if he slammed it down, and, and, and she uh, did have you know uh, symptoms of of redness on her arm and said it hurt. Way more importantly, she, emotionally, she was very upset, very offended. The male employee was immediately sent home for the remainder of his shift. And so, you know, we, we have since in, in a several days have gone through the, the advised process of, of documenting everything, discussed the matter with both employees. And, you know, now we, we're in a decision-making period on the best way in which to resolve this matter. Anywhere from just trying to get some reconciliation and apologies and kind of moving on to, to really determining whether or not, you know, this, this goes beyond the, the rules of decency in our workplace or civility and whether or not, you know, we need to take uh, very strong action um, uh, possibly to the point of dismissal. And so we have some legal and, and other human resources issues to deal with there. But, you know, in the context of what we're talking about today, actually our biggest concern is the way in which we handle this. And in, in, in if, if we get it right, especially it's going to have a very long lasting impact on the culture of our company, because even though we have a policy about civility and we've done training and, and, and have had minor incidences in the past, we've never had have crossed this bridge before. So I think our employees have to be looking very closely at the leaders and saying, this is going to be, you know, walking the, the talk here. Let's just see how this works itself out. Yeah. How, and how do you take this value of family, treating everybody like family to how do you apply that to this situation? Is it more treating people like a family to insist that hey, we don't have we don't we do not allow violence here, and uh, the fact that she's actually expressed fear at continuing to work with this coworker, that's going to create an environment that's just not healthy. That's not a family environment. Or do you look at it the other way and say hey? In family, we give people a second chance. I mean, we wouldn't just boot someone out of the family. And so those are some things that you guys have to grapple with. And of course, you know, you're a, rel- a relatively young company with 30-some employees. If you were a large 
Fortune 500 company, you probably already have established policies and procedures in place. So I'm sure some listeners are going to say, well, that this is a non-issue. We just would do this. HR would come in and it would be taken care of. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners can put themselves in your shoes and say, hey, this is a, a new and uncharted territory. How we act in the situation uh, is definitely a way that we're going to be living out our values. And, and so it takes a little bit of uh, thoughtfulness. Well, let me recap what those four tips are, and then I want to share some resources, uh, recommend some resources for more information, and we'll provide links to those in our show notes. But the, the four tips that we talked about today are, number one, clarify and define what your top values are. Number two, tell a story that illustrates a value. Number three, look for opportunities to, to share feedback that reinforces a value. And number four, match actions to words. I have three leadership tips to recommend from executive coach Tom Henschel on his podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership, and you'll find links to these on our show notes. The first is a podcast he did called Making Stories Soar, also a podcast called Giving Powerful Feedback, and one called Turn Values into Behavior. And then I can also recommend the book by Tom Hill called Making Character First. Tom does a great job of sharing how at his company, Kimray Inc., which has about 500 and some employees, he basically put these same actions into play there um, with, with some slight differences. But it was very effective in turning a previously toxic culture into an extremely healthy, high-performance culture. And then uh, in, the, in the next decade, Tom went on to create a leadership development program called Character First to teach the process to other organizations. And now, 20 years later, it continues to be used at companies and organizations around the world, large and small, such as Hobby Lobby in the U.S., based in the U.S., and the Costa Group based in Australia. So I have a link to that in our show notes as well if you're interested in more about um, how to put these same principles into effect in order to transform your culture. Well, that wraps up this show. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll be interviewing Christopher Rice, the author of The Engagement Equation. And we'll be talking about how to avoid the engagement survey analysis paralysis trap. Thanks for joining us today, leaders. Hey, if you like our show, please rate us on iTunes. That makes a huge difference in helping more people discover it. Go to engagingleader.com slash iTunes. If you have any questions for us that we can answer on a future episode or thoughts on this episode, please leave comments on our show notes at engagingleader.com or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers on internal communication strategies. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Terrence, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about. 